Welcome to the Oilcast for March 14, 2017 with your host, George Eliopoulos. We got in the win column in a big way tonight after a 7-1 beatdown of the Dallas Stars on home ice. Today I'll be talking about balance scoring, getting in the dirty areas, some issues I see on defense, and I'll talk through the possibilities for a first-line shuffle. But first... The Recap. After a relatively boring first 12 minutes of the game, the Oilers struck, and it was the forgotten man, Benoit Pouliot, who beat Antiniemi on a wrister. Zach Cassian set him up, and David Dayarnay helped battle in front to create a screen. And then towards the end of the period, Connor McDavid used his speed to create a partial break, and then drew a hooking penalty on it. He did want the penalty shot, he was a little frustrated, but it all worked out. Austria Clefbaum blasted home his 12th of the year, putting him in a tie for 6th among NHL defensemen in goals. Can I please just note that Shea Weber is second with 15 goals and Brent Burns has 27. 27 goals. Since 1993, only Mike Green in 08-09 had more with 31. And of course, Burns has 15 more games or so to catch him. Anyways, the period ended 2-0 for the Oilers. And then the the second shift for the Oilers was a weird one for the uh, defense pairing of Matt Benning and... Darnell Nurse, because right off the bat, Matt Benning left the front of the net too early, and it resulted in Devin Shore coming wide open in front of the net. I was not impressed with that from Benning, but Devin Shore ended up missing way over top of the net. It went out of play, and then off the ensuing whistle, Benning absolutely laid Shore out by the benches, and then right afterwards, Darnell Nurse walked in and sniped one low right corner. Just a weird shift for the for the two of them, but ended up well. Anyways, it didn't take long for these stars to respond, but despite all the firepower in their lineup, it was actually the fourth line putting in the work. Brett Ritchie was the benefactor of Adam Larson and Matt Hendricks, uh, kind of going after the same man off the rush and allowing him open kind of back door. He put it through Cam Talbot, and although it wasn't a terrible goal, I'd say it was definitely one that he'd like to have had back. But the scare was short-lived as the bottom six got going for the Oilers. Anton Slepeshev missed the net on a shot, but both Cassian and Dernay were right there on the doorstep. The puck took a fortuitous bounce, and David Dernay put in the rebound for his second in an Oiler uniform. Then the Oilers put it out of reach just a couple minutes later on a two-on-one. McDavid drove the net and got the back-checking Brent Ritchie to take out Niemi for him, and that allowed the big rig to put home his 22nd of the year. That was the end of the night for Antti Niemi. And then, the, and then the third period, the Oilers extended the lead to 6-1 with Ryan Nugent-Hopkins' first goal in eight games. Milan Lucic created the two-on-one, and then Hopkins directed in the rebound with his skate. It was reviewed, but all good. All counts. Anyways, the Oilers, just for good measure, McDavid finished off a beautiful sauce maroon for the seventh and final goal of the night. 7-1 final, Oilers. Well, we're back in the win column, that's for sure. I will be interested to see the post-game comments, or should I say hear the post-game comments of Coach McClellan, because, I mean, I was happy with the game. We won 7-1. That's great. But I don't think that it was one of those performances where we come off the ice 7-1, the team is good to go, everything's great, it was a phenomenal performance. I, th- I thought we could have played better, and it just kind of worked out that we just kept dominating the Stars, who may or may have not given up about halfway through that second period. I mean, either way, I'm just I'm just interested to see if he if he saw it that way as well. But there was a lot of positives, and I guess to start with the positives, obviously the fact that it was a balanced effort was great. I mean, seven different Oilers scored, and then three different ones who didn't score had two assists. So I mean, great to see everyone get involved in a game like this, particularly when we've got a bunch of guys slumping. I mean, you look at Ryan Jun Hopkins, Benoit Pouliot, and Patrick Maroon, who were all guys who needed to get goals. I mean, Nuge Hopkins, who's actually been playing pretty well, but doesn't have a goal. This was, this was his first in eight games. Benoit Pouliot, who we know has just been 
terrible in terms of goal scoring. That's just his sixth of the year and first since he's come back uh, from his injury. And then Patrick Maroon, who of course had one in eleven games before this, he got on the uh, on the board. And then even Darnell Nurse, who I mean I wouldn't say slumping, but it's just his fourth goal of the year. So it's nice to see him get a little confidence, score a goal like that. And at the end of the day, a game like this for everyone, even the guys that didn't score, the guys that were because every line was involved. It's good for the confidence. It's good for everyone. Um, and I will get into the balance scoring, how it could be affected with line shuffling later in the show. But I'll I'll I'll, I'll save that for a little bit. Because one of the things that I liked in this one was the was the net presence. It's something actually Louis DeBrusque pointed out in the first intermission. But even if he hadn't pointed out, I mean, it was obvious because it was great to see. We, you know that come playoff time, we need to we need to score greasy goals. That's how it works. I mean, other than of course Connor McDavid, who's going to have a couple of highlight reels. You imagine, it's that's that's how the games are won. That's why we brought guys like Milan Lucic. That's why we traded Taylor Hall for Adam Larson because games are won in tight around the net. And I thought we did a fantastic job of, of being around the net tonight. I mean, the first and fourth goals, both the ones that came for the third line, uh, were were net presence goals. I mean, it was a great shot by Ben Wapuliot, but it was a great job for David Darnay, the little guy, to push his defenseman kind of in the sight line of Niemi. And it, and it definitely helped that one. And then the fourth goal that they scored, I mean, that was... You, it, when you saw the replay, you realized that both Darnay and Cassian were standing right at the side of the net, ready for a tip, ready for a pass, ready for a shot... And the re- when the rebound came to Darren A, he made no mistake and put it in. So that was great. And then Milan Lucic, I thought he did a great job on the power play of posting up in front. He did it a couple other times. And then, of course, when he came in uh, on that two-on-one, Ryan Tompkins came right to the net. Didn't I mean, you saw him. He, he started stopping right up late, which actually worked out because he kind of kicked the puck in with his when he was stopping there. But he came right into the net. And, of course, for a guy who just hasn't had the offensive touch all season, that's exactly what you have to do. And I mean, just really, really, really bodes well that you have your your big guy Milan Lucic doing that, and then the third line particularly who are going to have to score goals that way. I mean, the, there is some skill, no question about it. Whether it's Pouliot or Kajula, and then Darnay and Cassie, and there's skill on that line, but they're going to have to score a lot of their goals in the greasy fashion. Uh, I wanted to talk about the the kid pairing on defense. We've we've seen it. It seems like it. It kind of seems like every second game. Uh, it'll be Benning for Greiber or, or Nurse, and but but oftentimes it's it's Benning and and Nurse because when they come in they fill in the slot of five six because of course we've got Larson Clefbaum and then Secker Russell. But when they play five six, I have no problem with how they play actually. I, I I like how they play and I and I'd actually like to say that I'm very optimistic about the offensive potential for Darnell Nurse. I mean sure he's he's only got six points this year, but he has such beautiful long strides as he skates through the neutral zone. And you, I mean, it just when the when the rush is joined, it's he looks so natural in the way he comes to the neutral zone, either with the puck or following someone up. So I mean, I don't know if he has the the passing skills to become an elite offensive uh, defenseman. Maybe he does, but he definitely has a good shot, and he loves to get involved. He's got a good skating and a good presence up there. So I like seeing that. I also, of course, like everyone else, have liked what they've seen from Benning so far, and I even like them together. But. I just look at it and think if these two guys are playing together in playoff time, I just, I'm scared about Darnell Nurse, who hasn't even played a full season up, up to front. Well, he has played a full season, but right. I mean, he's a young 21 year old defenseman Benning, who just came up this year. I just, you, you, you look at that and you think, I mean, they might be good, but at the end of the day in the play in, when it comes to playoffs, that's a whole different ball game. And you're going up. I mean, even if you're going up against weaker uh, offensive teams, it's just, 
it's something that I I'm nervous about. It's I I don't like the idea of having two guys, whatever they are, 22, 21, both playing big minutes in the playoffs. And so, although I think both of them are better than Griba, I certainly think Griba has value, particularly playing with Darnell Nurse, because he kind of gives Nurse a little bit more freedom to to rush up in the zone because you know Griba's not rushing up. He's as stay-at-home as you can possibly get with a defenseman. And although he might not be the absolute best at it, he's that's his job. And so I think that that kind of provides leeway for Nurse to be a little more free when he's going up. Uh, and, and going into rushes and everything like that. So just something I, I, I wanted to point out, maybe a little bit of concern uh, come playoff time. And then it was great to see Oscar Kleffbaum score another goal. I mean, he's now up to, what did I say, tied for sixth in, in NHL de- goal scoring, which is great. I mean, he's taking the shot a lot. Even though he hasn't scored, it's, it's been a few games in between. Uh, he's taking that shot a lot, and he's dangerous with it, particularly on the power play when Lucic kind of plops his big ass in front of the net. Um it's, it's obviously great to have him on the power play and um, Clefbon I'm talking about because we don't have that that quarterback from the defensive uh, perspective that we always talk about um, but we, when you have when you have um, Connor McDavid on the point and you just have Clefbon for a shot I think there's a lot of value there but I mean I, I would say I've had my concerns the last few games with Clefbon because although he of course is doing his part offensively I think he's been regressing in the defensive zone. I don't want to say regressing because that sounds like a trend that's that's long-term. It's only been a few games, but I just don't think he's been very good defensively, and it's it's forced Adam Larson to make a lot more plays and have a bigger burden on him, which, I mean, it's not great when you're when you're trying to look at Clefbaum as a potential one or two defenseman in the NHL, which he certainly looks like he's on pace to do. I mean, he's doing great. He's better than I could have hoped for. I mean, I've got a, uh, a buddy here who who just loves Clefbaum and says he's seen this the whole time, so I'll give him that. But he's Clefbaum's been exceeding, I think, for the most part, everyone's expectations this year. He's been great. I just wanted to point that out. And although it's weird because he scored the goal and you think, let's praise him, I don't think he played a great game tonight. And, of course, I do have to mention that. Or, sorry, I shouldn't say I don't think he played a great game tonight. I think he had a couple little mistakes. But I thought he played fine overall tonight. But it's been a recent trend where I, I am a little concerned about his defensive zone um, awareness in terms of his man making the right choices. So we'll see. I mean, he's got a long list to go and hopefully he's all right. We assume he's all right. He took that puck to the neck tonight. He came back after a little while. You saw a nice little mark there. I'm sure that'll be tender, but he'll be fine. And so that's all good. Um, and then I wanted to talk about a little bit about the power play. I don't, I mean, not too much because there was only a couple of opportunities again, but that was part of the thing that I wanted to talk about was we are coming up against the Stars penalty kill that ranks last in the NHL at 74.1%, which took even a slight hit tonight, probably down to 74 flat. Um, but the thing was, the thing that I was kind of seeing was, are we going to be able to take advantage of it? Not not just in terms of of scoring a bunch of times, but getting on the on the power play because you look back to the last seven games prior to this one, and the Oilers only had 15 power plays. I mean, that's a really low number to go basically just over two power plays a game. That's that's very low for the NHL. And, I mean, it, it also hurts the rhythm. If you're, if you're only going to get out there once or twice, particularly if you're the second unit and you know you're maybe getting 45 seconds out there once or twice a game, it's really tough to get in a rhythm and, and to have a chance to... I mean, if, of course, say if you're looking at, say, Oscar Kleffbaum slap shots in the point, I mean, those you need to take a few of those just because it's it's not going to go in every time. But if you're not getting chances, you're not 
you're not throwing enough darts on the board, basically. So I, I was a little disappointed when I looked tonight, and especially after the beginning of the game when we got lucky and they first just flicked one out of the zone, so we got an early power play, and then McDavid drew one, which was another one of those only McDavid can draw the penalty because he just burned his guy and then forced him to hook him. Uh, so, I mean, it, but then the fact that afterwards we didn't do anything, we didn't generate any more power plays, I thought that was a little disappointing. It was nice to see that we got the goal. I actually thought the second power play unit looked better than the first on their opportunity that they had on the on the first power play attempt. I was really impressed with them, not so impressed with the first power play unit, although, of course, they did get the goal with the cleft bomb slap shot, which was nice to see. I just think that, I mean, it was nice to score the goal, but I, I didn't like what we saw for the most part from that. But now it's time to get to the more pressing issue. The issue that, I mean, the thing that could affect the Oilers' roster and lineup for the rest of the season and playoffs. And that's the matter of the first line and the questions of should there be a shuffle at all and should there be the big shuffle of giving Leon Dreisaitl his own line. It's something that was asked of Coach McClelland in the in the uh, in in the pregame press conference, and he did say that he didn't know what would happen at, during this game. After the game, he was kind of vague about it, and you kind of got the feeling that it was a real possibility that Leon Draisaitl was going to get his own line sometime during this game. Obviously, that didn't end up happening. But looking at the game today, one thing that I found very interesting was the fact that after both goals scored by that line, by the Maroon goal and then by McDavid's goal himself, they immediately showed McDavid's face afterwards, and both times he just didn't look happy. He looked frustrated, and those were coming right after goals. I mean, after the seventh goal that McDavid scored, it showed him it showed him smiling with, uh, with Dreisaitl, which was great, but... There was a sense of frustration. You could just tell the whole game. It, it was it was noticeable. It was obvious. And, I mean, to see Connor McDavid, to see his line scoring, to, I mean, they scored the 4-1 goal, the 7-1 goal, and there was no real positive emotion showing. It just kind of shows where that line's at right now. And that's not to put blame on anyone particularly because I think he's just frustrated realizing that they could be better. And I wonder, is it time to make a line shuffle? I would like to first say that I actually don't know if I think it's it's the time to make a line shuffle, and it's for a couple of reasons. One, the the main reason ultimately actually is the fact that you don't want to shuffle up the second line because you look at our $6 million line with uh, Lucic, Nugent Hopkins, and Eberle, of course, and they're finally playing to where we hoped they would play. I mean, we, we've been everyone has just been ragging on this line the whole year because they've all severely underproduced compared to the point totals which they've been accustomed to in their careers and it's been a mess when you consider the fact that we've we've been kept afloat for so long without them but in the past whatever has been 12 13 games you see that that's kind of shuffled i mean milan lucic he's got four goals five assists now in his last 12 he's he's looked great and although Nugent Hopkins finally scored his, his first point in five games tonight. I mean, he's looked much better, much more dangerous, particularly in the neutral zone. And then Eberle's finally looking good five on five. This is, this is the first time all year, this whole stretch of games, where we finally feel like he's a legit top six forward who's dangerous with a puck on his stick. So I think under no circumstances should we touch that line. Although I will say I, I thought that, and then I went and looked at the press conference before the game, and and Coach McClellan said the same thing. He said that if the line shuffle came, it would be with the third or fourth line and the first line. So I'm really happy he's on board with that and not shuffling up the second line. But if that's the case, you look now and you think, if you're not going to take your next three best forwards, that does leave relatively limited options in terms of going onto the first line. And the option that obviously seems more 
more realistic based on Coach McClellan's tomet, uh, comments and then just what everyone's speculating is Leon Dreisel getting his own line again. But I'd like to first talk about the idea of of uh, of if we if we just move Maroon off the line because that's if I were to make the line shuffle, that's more where I'm looking at because. Frankly, he, he did have a good game tonight. I'm going to 100% give him that. I mean, I mean, the goal realistically wasn't like he, he made a great goal. It was McDavid forces man to go into the into the goalie, and he just kind of put it in. But he did make a great play for the uh, on the assist to McDavid. But regardless, he just he hasn't had that it with the scoring that he had for that stretch of period of time. I mean, we we all remember. We know we remember how great that was when he went through that stretch of period from mid-December to mid-January when he had 10 goals in 12 games. We had the the Gene Principe moment where he got his kid to watch the goal and it was so emotional. And I mean, it, it was just, it was the Patrick Maroon time for everyone. It was great. We all love him. We all heard the rumors from, from the Ducks fans talking about how much we're going to love this guy. And he's, he, he's, he's really won our hearts over. He's the big rig. We all love him. He's great, but you do have to assess his play fairly. And he just hasn't had that anymore. He doesn't have that, that level of confidence. that He knows what he's going to do every time that he's going to score and it's going to be great. So, if you want to move him off the line, which I think is actually, if you want to get, if you want to get him in or McDavid and Drysaddle going, I think that's the better way to go. But there's basically two options if you wanted to do that. You could either go to Benoit Pouliot or to Drake Kajula, and I don't like the idea of going to Benoit Pouliot at all for two reasons. First, he's been terrible all year because I mean he just scored his sixth goal of the season in now 54 games, I believe it is. And he's just, he's been so underperforming. He's obviously had all the penalty issues. I think it's just been a very poor season for him. And, but the more, the more, the other reason that I look at is he has just come off a stretch where he's been injured. Uh, he hasn't scored. He's been scratched. And he's finally just working his way back in the lineup. And to put him up with McDavid, I feel like putting someone up with McDavid is like a reward, is a, uh, is a, you've, you've worked hard. You deserve this opportunity. And I just feel like that it's kind of a slap in the face to the other players who have kind of been in the lineup the whole time. I'm not going to say he wasn't working hard, but have been, been playing working hard. We've seen it and it's been there and we've had praise from coach about certain guys. So, I mean, just, just based off that, I feel like it'd be somewhat unfair to give Pouliot a shot. I mean, if we did, sure, that's fine. Go ahead. Okay. But if we were to do it, the guy I'd be looking more at would be Drake Kajula because, and I like to say that I get I get it. You can throw the stats right back at me. I'm mad about Pouliot because he has 10 points, but Kajula only has 11. I mean, well, I shouldn't say Pouliot. Now he has 11 points as well. But, I mean, true. But the difference is that I kind of see Pouliot as a guy who is significantly underperforming and has something wrong with him this year. Whereas Kajula, I see a guy who shows flashes of something every game. And his issue, in my opinion, is more confidence. This is a guy who had 25 goals in just 39 games last year at North Dakota. He's not used to an extended lull like this, and I think he's poised to break out of it. I mean, I understand that that recently you've had to put Pouliot in that third-line spot because you need to get him back in the game, but I was a little upset because I loved the early chemistry with Kajula, Dearnay, and Cassian, and I thought that that could have been a real opportunity for him to break out of that scoring drought and, and get going offensively. But if they're not going to keep him on that third line, why not give him a shot with McDavid? I mean, who better to, to bring a guy out of a scoring funk than than, than uh, McDavid. And like I said, I see it differently than Pouliot because Pouliot was underwhelming when he was given a shot with McDavid. He's been underwhelming everywhere. Whereas Kajula, it's more just been a lack of finish, but he's getting chances and he doesn't look consistently underwhelming all the time. Uh, so, I mean, I see that. And and I just see that as an opportunity. The only issue, because uh, really I think that, that would have been a great move. I really think that that first line could be amazing with those guys out there. 
the issue that that I've that I've got with that is the what it does to Patrick Maroon because obviously in theory you'd think okay let's slide him back to the third line but that would put him with Darnay and Cassian and I really don't like the idea of Cassian and and uh, Maroon being wingers together because we saw it briefly earlier in the season and they just don't have the speed together to do it all the time I mean it's just not a line that that's gonna be able to compete with the faster good the, the great fast lines you're gonna have to go up against in the Western Conference I, I, have, I have real concerns about that so I don't know if that's the right idea I, I just I, I see that as an issue I don't have a good solution is my point to that I do really like the idea of Kajulian going up there but that would result in then you may you may be you're thinking what would you have to do put Maroon back on the fourth line and put Puli out on the third line I don't think that's realistic I don't know what else the other options are I uh, that just that, that was my thought process process on the idea of just moving maroon off the off the first line which in theory I do think makes sense it's just there's a real road bump that comes when you when you really have to break down the repercussions that come because of it but I'll then go into if we decide to go with uh dry sale having his own line because that's obviously what it seems like would happen and I love the idea of having them of being able to have Drysaddle switch between second line center McDavid's winger uh, as a as a like a, as a move going forward in years to come. But if you're planning on putting Drysaddle with McDavid for the playoffs anyway, which is probably what I imagine we're gonna do, I don't know how it helps Leon Drysaddle give him his own line when you're not willing to split up the second line because if you were ever gonna mix it up and put Drysdale on a line to himself, I think that's fine, but you've got to imagine he's going to get Lucic or Eberle or something on on his wing, but if, you, if you're if you putting him down to to uh, to another, to what I guess would then be the third line technically, although I think it would obviously be a, you'd consider it a top nine basically, you'd have three scoring lines and then have the fourth line and you you would you have limited options when you go down there. You you do like the left wing actually. I think there's there's obviously you have Kajula, Pouliot, and Maroon. Who you, from those three you have you could pick two of them to go with either McDavid or Drysaddle, which I think is good. But on the right wing you have limited options because really all you have is Zach Cassian, who I love in this bottom six role. I really really do. But I mean I I don't want to take him out of it because I love him so much here and I don't want him to have to try to stretch and have to score a bunch of points by maybe being cut up with McDavid if that were the case. And then Slepyshev is the other guy. And I mean, we've seen from Slepyshev, he has some moments, but he's not even like a, he's not a guy you can consistently say, we know he's an NHL or night in, night out. And you're thinking that he's going to have to play with, if he's the guy you're going to put with, um, with, with Leon Dreisaitl, I just think that hurts Dreisaitl thinking that this is going to be a scoring line. I'm not saying it wouldn't work, but I'm saying I don't think it would work. At least it wouldn't work really effectively. So I kind of see an issue with that. And then we we talk about, or the, the thing that they were talking about both on the broadcast and then a piece by Ryan Rashog of TSN was the fact that uh, Dreisaitl is tired, which, I mean, in theory would make sense. He's played a ton of games, including games for Germany, Team Europe, and then, of course, the whole season. But if you're tired, I mean, I, I would think playing on the wing would make more sense in than, than giving him a center position. I imagine that that would be more tiring if you put him center. Obviously, he would have a few less minutes a game because he wouldn't be playing with McDavid, but I don't I don't see the, the, the merit in that argument. I just think that there's no good solution right now, particularly because you don't want to move the second line at all. But I am I'm of the opinion that if you do want to move, move anyone whatsoever, it's got to be 
Maroon being moved off the line and keeping Dreisaitl up top. Because the other thing they have to consider is that you'd then be moving uh, Dayarnay down to the fourth line, in theory, and then you have him, Letestu, uh, and then, I mean, those two is the last two centermen, but you also, one thing that uh, one thing that Coach McClellan talked about today was the fact that there's basically two guys that stay in the lineup every time because of penalty killing. And obviously that's Letestu, who would stay in the lineup, you imagine, anyway, because he's been very good in that fourth-line center role. But Mark Hen- or Matt Hendricks is playing all the time because they want him for that first power or penalty kill unit, and he's been great on it. So that's basically saying then, though, um, you look at the rest of it, you look at uh, Kara and... Uh, Pacarinen, and they just don't. There wouldn't really be spots for them to get to get minutes if you if you do it this way. And I don't know. I mean, there's there's a lot of variables to think about here, and maybe having this top nine somehow could could work fantastically. But I do really like our third line right now, whether it's Pouliot or Kajula on the left, and then uh, centered by uh, Darnay with with uh, Cassie on the right. I just think that are that we that we're really good right now. And if our issue is the first line, come on, come on. We have Connor McDavid on our first line. We're talking about how it's been terrible, and McDavid had has now nine points in his last nine games, and that's terrible. That's really atrocious. I'm really, I mean, come on, things are going to be okay. If the second, third, fourth line are going, I'm not concerned about a line with Leon Drysaddle, Connor McDavid going. So let's let's relax on this idea that Leon Drysaddle needs to be moved to his own line. I think things are going to be fine. They've got to work through it. He talks about how he's a frustrated guy with himself. He's hard on himself, and things will get better. So let's let's all let's not worry too much. We just won seven one. Things are good. We'll be all right. And now we just got to figure out a way to get one of the top three spots in the Pacific Division. And the next game for that comes on Thursday. It is a home game against Boston. A little bit of bad blood maybe with Milan Lucic. We'll see. Anyways, I will talk to you then, Oil Country.